This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian-owned and local. Phone 131 806. Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blades. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. And it is my pleasure to welcome Shana Blaze to the studio. I'm Jane Neal, podcast producer and lover of design shows. It is a thrill to have Shana Blaze in the studio, an interior designer with her own business, a TV presenter, including judge on the block, designer on Selling Houses Australia, and she's got a cool 147,000 Instagram followers. So the person people go to when they want to know about design, Shana, welcome. Oh, lovely to be here with you, Jane. Now, of course, we can't deny the fact that as we're recording this, the world has been completely tipped upside down by COVID-19, by a worldwide pandemic. Can you remember, Shana, ever a point in history where our home lives and our work lives have just been completely scrambled as much as they have in the last couple of months? Nothing. I I can't even imagine anything other than a world war which is not in our lifetimes, like, you know, um, it's affecting everybody worldwide. It's just not, you know, in Australia, like when we had the bushfires, you know, in early 2020 and the end of 2019, uh, that really affected not just the people that were in the bushfire, but all the businesses and how people sort of looked at their homes and what they do. And that's a different type of protection of your home. Whereas this is where you become insular in your home. And we've never had a forced lockdown. We've never been forced to look at our four walls and how we interact as families and and how we actually want to live in our space, not in just a decor visual world. So I I, I think it tips everything on its head, not just our timelines. And, of course, we acknowledge the fact that for everyone, the COVID-19 experience in 2020 has been completely different. I mean, you're hearing from people in New York in a one-person apartment whose kitchen and bed is probably all in the same space who've been in lockdown, serious lockdown. We're hearing from people around Australia who some of them live in the country and have property and have had no issues really self-isolating because they've got such a beautiful home and a space. And then others in cities, in suburbs, cramming children, partners themselves into a home workspace. It really has changed things, hasn't it? It has. And I I think the, the biggest thing about this is there has been a big focus also on mental health. Mm. And, you know, when people are unsure of what's happening in their work environment, it really comes into their home environment too. So I think once you sort of know that you can actually be financially okay till we get to the other end, that you can actually keep the roof over your head, then you start looking at how you're living and what you're doing. And if ever there was a note for the lucky country, this is actually it in the fact that we have space There are suburbs where we live on top of each other, but we haven't had to do the full lockdown like Europe and and America and the fact you actually have to have a note to leave the building. Mm. So I think we've been very lucky in that way. And also, you know, sales of online um, furniture and people in their gardening, people are rediscovering their home. And I think the great thing that I love about this is that people are rediscovering how they live and how they want to live and how they have lived in the past and what they might accept and not accept in the future. And that's the big thing with interior design and your interiors. It's not about a picture. It's not about looking good and buying a few, you know, bits and pieces. It is how it works as a whole and how it works within a room and a flow plan. And it's so involved. 
and how it makes you feel, bottom line. That, <laughs> the great interiors of the ones that you don't know what went into it other than you feel fantastic. Every time you walk in the room, you feel fantastic and you get to sit on the couch and just have the actions of all the little basics. That's great design because you don't realise how well it's put together. On that point, though, have you been fascinated like I have because we've seen this rise of Zoom calls of reporters on TV doing it from their living room and... I am just fascinated by some people's curtains, backdrop, furnishings. I mean, sometimes it looks like they've staged it, but others it's like, wow, that really is out of date, Professor So-and-so. And and, and not even thinking about what their background is, because as much as we all think that, you know, we're going to be the star, our face, they they really just want to hear what we're saying, is that you can get so totally distracted from what's behind them. And I have to say, I've seen some really bad ones Really, really bad ones. And, and and also with the way they position it, that they've got half a frame or they've got something like this. And then looking at, you know, they think you're only going to see what's in front of you, but you can see that the mess that's on the on the bench or half-eaten wrapper or you can see the pizza box from the night before. Like if ever you wanted to be a voyeur, COVID-19 Zoom world <laughs> is a voyeur into how people live. I love it. I think there's a whole episode in that and how to um, set up your little corner of your world to make sure you appear good for the outside. I've actually, I actually have done that with, with a girlfriend. We were doing Insta Lives and um, she's a very, very stylish um, person and so she asked me, is my background okay? And I said, look, it is, but maybe if you could tweak this and tweak that and do, Ooh. you know. But, but you know what? It's just moving something left to right, left to right. And that's what happens in photo shoots. So when people look at magazines, and that is put together strategically to look good in a photo. And when the photo's done, you pull everything apart because what you see in one sort of zoomed area, no pun intended, it means that it looks different to how it is as a whole. Yeah, so there is a, a difference between the way we stage things and the way we live in things. Totally. Shane, how did life change for you? I mean, a lot of people who might be tuning into this podcast for the very first time, I'm sure, are aware of your work. I mean, I would call you the queen of design and uh, Renault's in Australia, but that's just because I I do love the shows that you're on. But how did life change? Did you suddenly get a call to say, you cannot come into work to shoot today? Did it completely disrupt your entire year? Yeah, it it has actually, because it it was a case of doing two TV shows private clients and also ambassadorships and and working on, you know, doing public speaking and lots of different contact types of elements of of design. And that just had to shut down instantly. So every stream of my work was was done and it was it was literally on one day. Mm-hmm. So we hit the we hit the Sunday, we stopped filming on the block and then everything was shutting down from the next day. So it I've got to say, it mentally it put me in a bit of a tailspin because it's how am I going to survive? What what can I do? And because as as a designer on TV, you don't necessarily get the um, the government grants mm. because it's entertainment, and that's a that's a big thing. So, not knowing that 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 was coming in the future or how that was going to work, I've got to say, once you get past that spin, and then you go, okay, well, financially everything's frozen for the moment. I'm not going to live the life of luxury. I'm just going to work on what I can achieve and what I can do. And I reckon that took about two or three weeks. And then after that, I just went, when have I ever been given permission to do nothing guilt-free? <laughs> so I do have to say that I made made myself fall into it softly in the fact that, 
you know, the, the, you don't get to see your kids because m- one, my daughter lives interstate and my son lives a few suburbs away, but we, we can't see each other in that really strict lockdown we started with. Mm. And it, I've got to say it made me sort of do a, a lot of walking around, walking around the house and being bored. And I, I had a massive fear of turning into a slob. Because I'm, I love, I love a binge. I love a binge watch on TV. So I actually made myself dress up as though I was going for work. Yeah. So it sort of changed how I dressed. I dressed up more in COVID um, lockdown than what I did in normal days. So I think um, it, it changed in me in the fact that I was really in a space that I was happy with. And it then turned into that frantic, well, what am I going to do for this rest of the time? And then I've got to say decluttering the internals of a cupboard was so rewarding. Surely Shayna Blaze does not have cupboards that risk falling out on top of you when you open them. Surely, Shayna. Oh, for God's sake, we all do. I think I think unless it's Maria Kondo, you're lying. You really are. And we all have that cupboard that, or that room that we just end up shoving stuff and going, oh, I'll do that later. And life catches up and you can never do that. But but I'm always getting, like, samples and I'm always getting um, bits and pieces. And, and, and also I, I collect a lot of... Uh, you know, I go to antique stores and I go to op shops and I keep them for displays later on and, and doing sort of little areas and maybe a client might want something in the future. So I like to connect with pieces and go, mm, I don't know where I'm going to use that, but I'm going to use that one day. So I do have those sorts of elements and I've got to say that it made me realise how much I, I'm calling it stockpiling, stockpiling on those elements and but also like in your everyday world if if you're very very busy your drawers in the kitchen just get out of control and the only way to do that is pull everything out wipe it clean decanter label and just feel so happy <laughs> <laughs> oh we've got so many tips for you now shana were you tempted to actually start doing some renovations tell me about your place i mean you have a business you have a home and you combine the two Yes, well, they're on different levels. So the the temptation was one that I didn't want to go full bore because in my experience and what I do with design, I always tell people to actually pull back. Don't knock out a wall until you've actually done the final planning. Don't just do these little projects that end up becoming clutter things that you can do. So I, I have to say once I had done the the decluttering I was looking at the walls. Will I paint it? Won't I paint it? I didn't really do much that was different other than my office, re- removing the plants and, and bits and pieces. I, I've got to say it also, um, and this is a good thing to say, that it made me realise how happy I am with my space. And I live a really busy life and I don't actually get to enjoy it. And all the elements that are in there, I realise I have done it for the right reasons. Um, I've got to say there's a couple of things I want to update now that I've been there for so long. But I think it's just because I've sat in the space uh, and changing the colour palette, whereas I, I love the colour palette and I was never sick of it. But now the fact that I've been there, you know, for eight weeks in lockdown and, you know, binge watching and enjoying life, way too much um wine on Zoom calls, I have to say. (laughs) I'm really happy to sort of like update the colour palette now I've sat with it. And that's what I try and tell people is, you know, if you do a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction, I'm busy, I've got this time, 
you can make mistakes really quickly and then sort of do it for that moment and not realise that you've actually got to do it for another moment in three months, another six months. So make sure that those moments are long-term moments. Interesting that you sort of say there that perhaps better to plan, hold back, wait. I mean, I am completely guilty of doing this. I'm just like, I've got 24 hours on the weekend. I'm going to, and of course, the job never gets finished. It's never properly done. So totally guilty on that behalf. But I guess this time has given people a, a point of, hang on, let's slow down. Let's work out what we want our home to do. So what are you hearing from some of your clients or friends or, or you know, what are you seeing on social media in terms of how people have shifted their relationship with their home? I, I think the biggest thing I've seen is how people are using their, their dining tables, their coffee tables and their desks. I, I think that's one of the biggest things because we as a society have forgotten to communicate as a family and it's so easy when you've got young kids that everyone's on a roster, everyone's a timeline to, to get fed, to get to bed, to be bathed. And then also as you get older with work, very guilty myself is bringing my work home with me and because we have the convenience of laptops and the convenience, oh, you know, I've just got to get this, smash this out before tomorrow and all that sort of thing, but we haven't really been working those lives where you have to work after hours. So... Seeing people get back into jigsaws, mm -hmm. game puzzles and having a work from home space. So I see people have been living more as a community ever, as a community within your home. And that really does define how you utilise your space. So it doesn't just come about the colours, the surfaces. It's like how do the chairs fit how do the chairs feel after two or three hours sitting in a puzzle? How does the, the dining table work when you actually want to do a puzzle or you want to eat food? How does the coffee table work when you want to sit there with snacks and chips and dips? And, and how does it work when you might want to do a puzzle there? How does it work when you want to sit and dine as a family? So I think those communal spaces is what I've seen the big change. I can't say I've seen lots of massive renos. Uh, I think people are talking about it and a lot of people have got into their garden which is great, but but I think the biggest thing is that I've seen changes in how people communicate and that's when you know that you've got it right. I keep thinking that whoever can mass produce a dining room table, I've seen a couple, you know, bespoke ones online that has the kind of sliding leaves that you can do the jigsaw, keep it there and then close the top and have dinner. I think someone could make a lot of money about that. I think that. they have bridge tables a little bit like <laughs> yeah, that. I, sure. uh, I know sort of like in the... 1800s and the um, the late 1800s, they had those little bridge tables and they had some little neat little things that slide away. But they are really expensive. As you said, they're bespoke and not everyone would like that. But I think people would have loved that at the moment with the jigsaw puzzle and just shove it away. <laughs> now, would you have some advice for someone who, look, you know, we're starting to see schools around Australia open up, but there's always the threat that we'll see COVID-19 sort of return to the point where we need to lock down again. For a family, let's just say, you know, a couple of parents, maybe two or three kids, have you got some advice about how to maybe section off the house or, or some of the do's or don'ts? I mean, is it a healthy thing for the family to leave stuff all over the dining room? table or should you be trying to kind of delineate, okay, this was work today and now it's family time, home time? I think with everyone homeschooling, uh, parents have had to be in the space and I think what we've seen in the past is that every bedroom of a kid's, oh, we'll have a desk there so they can study year 11 and 12. Well, 
one desk for two years, it's it's a bit of a waste <laughs> of space. But I think people are realising that, you know, when you're locking yourself away, even in your home, it's actually not healthy. And I think the advice would be that looking at spaces that can be a double use is a good thing. And as much as people hate to hear it, is that having bookshelves or shelves that have doors on them so that if you have doors that hinge like on a 180 degrees mean that they sort of fan out Mm -hmm. and you can have everything accessible. You might even have a desk that sits inside of it. But when it's finished, you close it. And that's the biggest thing. Like sometimes just putting a a bamboo screen in front of it, every time you walk past it, you still can see through it and you can still see the desk behind there. So I think the actual desk isn't the issue. It's all the items that go with it. So being organised about what goes on a bookshelf and if it's business or or school related, have doors on them because you're looking at it the whole time. And it's really inexpensive to get just a flat pack cabinetry to do that and put doors on them because there's all those different options. And also look at the storage that you have at, at um, foot level. So look at bench seats that you can actually have drawers in there or cupboards. Look at things that you can have even the old-fashioned filing cabinets that, you know, you don't want to go for those metal ones but there's some really funky ones out mm. there that you can put plants on them and you can actually uh, put, you know, a, a big tray on it. So it doesn't look like a desk but it's very functional. I think that's the thing. If you make the the areas around the desk functional, it means that you can just pack it away very easily And then you can actually use that table as a dining table if you want. Now, Shana, how do you think this whole period that we've all been living through is actually going to affect design trends? Are we going to see companies coming out of this and going, oh, people have changed their lives. We need to rework the way our products are designed. Like, I'm sure it's going to have to change everything, isn't it? Look, I have to say towards the end of last year, the the design trends were definitely going towards sustainability, going towards slowing down. And then the bushfires hit and then everyone was reassessing, you know, how important our our land is, how important our, our life is and our, also our, our bush and, and our animals. So then people were sort of hitting into that. And I've got to say with, with the bushfires in Australia and then the COVID all around the world is that we've all learnt to slow down. And I, I have to say I've never been given permission to slow down for 10 years and that's probably maybe longer, maybe 12 years. This is the first time I've been given permission to slow down and enjoy it. And I think people will come out of it realising how much they enjoy that little bit of slow down. They enjoy the calmness that they can have in the home and they can really look at how they work together as a family. And we have sort of seen, like even on the block, we've seen, you know, selling some of the big houses about having multi-generational rooms where the parents, you know, have a a full sealed off room and and the the older kids have, you know, know, so they can stay there till their 20s and move on and things (laughs) like that. Or their 30s if you're unlucky. (laughs) Yeah, then then you change the locks, like that's too far. (laughs) But, But I think what will happen is probably three things it, the first one will people will go crazy and, and, and just like, I want this and I want this because I've, I've missed out and I'm, I'm going to get that and get that and then get it in like a frenzy and go, hang on, what did I learn? What did I not learn? And I think that's really important. So what, what I do see is that we were getting the triggers of slowing down and um, it comes down to, you know, slow fashion, slow slow design in the fact that we're looking at long term rather than fast furniture we're not we're not looking at furniture that's disposable we're looking at furniture that we want to last a long time and then we're also looking at 
spaces that are multi-generational, more than ever, I think, because you think of all the people that were in lockdown in nursing homes and they got sick and people couldn't visit them. Mm. And I guarantee there will be a lot of people, you know, unless people are at that capacity of of full-on Alzheimer's dementia and, you know, really, really badly sick with with diseases that need 24-hour care. But I think people are going to really think about how the family can stay together in multi-generational. So I think we'll see floor plans changing in, in builders. I think we'll see people doing more bespoke sort of ways that they can actually get a multifunctional element of their home, but also looking at how our spend isn't a waste of money because we've lived in a trash world in that it's very easy. I'll get one. If it mm. goes out of date in two years, I'll just I'll just top it up and get another one. So, you know, we, we've realised that the environment has really just turned around and slapped us in the face and said, you know, you look around the world of, you know, the clean air quality and clean um, environment in the, the rivers and the beaches and it really comes down that we're not nice. We're mm. not nice to our environment and I think, you know, our users – Usability, and this is talking as a big general one, mm. and and then that filters down to the small elements of like when you buy something, you know, to to do, put on your desktop or something to put on your lounge. You just go, you know what? Am I going to like that in two years? I'd rather spend money on something. And this is something I've been trying to say for years. You're better off spending, and people, please don't choke on this. You're better off spending eighty dollars on a cushion that's going to last four to five years than what you are to spend. $20 on a cushion that lasts two or three years because mm-hmm. the quality after, you know, a year on a $20 cushion can sometimes com- compact and not be comfortable and so you're on constantly just moving, moving, moving. So I think they're really big trends that are going to happen. You uh, mentioned before that you're prone to a bit of op shopping and collecting because you just never know when that piece that you found. Absolutely. <laughs> totally a woman after my own heart. But it did make me think I, I wonder whether people will maybe gravitate as well towards pre-loved, upcycled or second-hand furniture. I mean, when you're trying to get three or four desks for the family, you don't necessarily have the budget to do all that brand new. And often you find the oldest stuff is so beautifully constructed. It's from materials that you just don't get anymore, like a 50, 60-year-old desk. Do you think that might be a trend that people start looking at, you know, those resources? Yes, they are precious. So why not reuse something? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And there's there's also part of that means that we're not going to have as much landfill. And I think that's a really good thing. And upcycling actually gives you physical and emotional pleasure in the fact that you're connected with a piece. You're sanding it back and you're painting it. Sometimes you may not finish it, so that won't be so much pleasure. <laughs> but I think it's really important to to look at the quality of pieces and if you upcycle them, it means that you've got a second life to it and then it can go on to a third life. And I think what I love about antiques and things in op shops is that I always go, I wonder what the story is with this. And stories is something that we're really connecting with. I hope what people will take away from this is that your home and everything goes in it really does need to tell a story and how they connect and when you upcycle something, you get pleasure and you connect with it. And when you just buy a room as a package, you know, we'll just get the couch, the chair and the coffee table and and get it together, it ends up just being a display because you haven't had that 
that pleasure of finding out a story. I, just, I went, look, you know, I got the couch from this shop and then I had to get the rug from somewhere else and it took me a year to find the right rug and that becomes that beautiful little story and I, I sort of hope that that's what will change, that people won't look at their, their lounge room as a package and their bedroom as a package and it just means they can bring in elements to, to make it different and personalised. It does take a bit of courage though, Shana, because it's, I think, you know, easier to look at a spread in a magazine and emulate that, whether you're doing that on a budget level or you've got the budget to go out and shop for the pieces. Yeah. And, you know, I love a good magazine where it says, if you like this style, get it here with, um, you know, similar pieces. But you need courage to do that. For a lot of people, perhaps it takes a bit of a step to go, I'm confident enough to mix Nana's Antique bedside table with something brand new I just got from Ikea. Oh, look, you're so right. And and it, it just freezes so so many people and they just go, look, I'd rather buy it all in the catalogue because at least I know it works. And you know what? I get that. I get that. But why don't you change the bedspread? Why don't you do different lamps? And if, if you get the basics as a collective, fantastic. Then get the other bits and pieces and, and just do one at a time. Like, you know, what you're saying, you've got 24 hours, I'm going to get this done. That's when it, it becomes a catalogue and that's when it becomes something out of a magazine that you're actually not putting you into it. And I hope this is what we're getting out of COVID is that our homes are about being human and having a personal touch. Well, you're listening to Home Style with Shana Blaze and this podcast is all possible thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. And the great thing is, Shana, that over the next few weeks, we get to answer a few questions from people and you've got a lot of them on Instagram asking you for advice. So if you would like to ask Shana a question, you can just send her a message or comment when we post this episode on her Instagram, Shana Blaze, and see if she can give you a few tips for perhaps a design situation that has got you stumped or some ideas when it comes to doing a bit of DIY. So, Shana, let's go to a listener question. Okay. So one of them is like when do I engage an interior designer? Like when, when oh, in the stage yeah. of what I do? And I always say right from the start when you've got your architect's plans, get your architect's plans, whether it's got a DA th- approved or whether you're just in that building stage. Sorry, sorry DA? Oh, design application. <laughs> you need an application to design well, something? Well, it's not so much a design. I can't actually remember what the D's for, to tell you the truth. <laughs> it's always a DA to me. I'm going to have to look that, okay. look that one up. Mm. Please get back to us next week. What exactly. is a DA? <laughs> I'm so sorry. You've yeah, just caught right. me on the hop. And, and it comes down to really, you know, the architects do an amazing job and they're really focused on the envelope of the building. They're focused on how it functions, you know, with north and south and they're functioning how it flows and from the back door to the front door and how it's going to work with council and how they get it through. And so the interior designer comes in and we make sure that you get storage in before it's built rather than, you know, getting a shape of a room and then we'll just, you know, there's an allocation for a line for a robe or there's an allocation for Mm. a line for a linen cupboard or there is no allocation of a line for a linen cupboard. So these are all the points where I sit down with my clients and it's a good two or three hours just sitting there and start with a basic checklist of how you want to live in the home, what you want to do, and then really going through the floor plan and picking it to pieces in the right way of like, well, how does this work for you? And, you know, how many kids do you have? And how long are you going to live here? What are you going to do? So I really, really want people to engage interior designers in that part because it is about planning. It's almost like you're a therapist leading these people through this huge decision they have to make. So that's basically um, building from scratch. But what if you're renovating? Is it the similar principle that really 
the designer should be in on that very first level before you start knocking out walls. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's, you know, it is like therapy because you a lot of the time you have the husband wanting one direction and the wife wanting the other and you're going, okay, I'm really <laughs> the meat and the sandwich but you've called me here so I have to say yes, no, yes, no and I'm, I'm not... I'm not going to hold back. So I, th- I think if a renovation, again, get your, your ideas down from even a draftsman of what you're sort of thinking and then we can go from there. Because, it, you know, there's architectural interior designers that end up having, you know, working on all the structure. I do work on the structure as well of what is happening, but I have to get a builder in to tell me whether it's a load-bearing wall or not. Some are really obvious, but you have to get in the roof and you have to work it out. Uh, so definitely that the beginning part. And then also if you've already got the house done, it's one of those ones, it's not too late, but it's just it's just going to cost you that little bit more in case there's a mistake in the planning that doesn't work for you as a family. Mm. And interestingly, I know you can sort of buy packages for new homes where it's like, we will do everything. But I guess there's people after a couple of years of living in a home go, you know what, we just wanted a little bit different to the other 800 houses in this yeah. new estate so they can bring in you. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that comes down to all the different surfaces and the cabinetry and, and just creating different shapes of floor plans and things like that. Do we have another quick question? Look, I, I think on that time topic is that, well, what is the difference between an interior designer, an interior decorator and a stylist? So we'll start with the stylist. So the stylist is really for photo shoots in the fact that you have a stylist that's in magazines and home staging and also really just getting that final look, you know, just putting the cherry on top in your home. And adds so much value, not just for when you're selling your home, but adds value when you want to feel good about your space. Because like you were saying, look, I've got all the basics, but I don't know how to put the cherry on top. Mm. And a stylist is really good for that. An interior decorator will come in and help you with your your colour selection, with your stones, your surfaces, your materials, and really how all that's going to come together. So a lot of the time an interior decorator is not engaged until the build's completed halfway through and you're doing all those selections maybe when all the contracts are signed and we just need to get a list of everything and how that works together. Then you have the other side of the interior designer where we get to the meat and potatoes of is that wall in the right position? Is it 200 too long or 200 too small? So it's really making sure that we get in there with a fine tooth comb and make sure it functions and make sure that you're getting the right timbers, making sure you get the right stone that's going to work for you, not just as a colour, but as a functionality. So interior designers really are about the function and the heart. Oh, I can't wait to, uh, you know, have all these questions from people and find out so much more over the weeks ahead. And of course, if you would like to ask Shana a question, you can head to her Instagram at Shana Blaze. Before we wrap up for today, Shana, is there going to be an end to the trend of open plan living? Because I just don't know how people have done it for decades. Surely that has to be a trend that's on the other side. <laughs> Look, I think I think open plan living works for us in Australia, but I think there's the basic part of the open plan of the kitchen, the lounge and the dining, and we're sort of dining differently. And I think that our outdoor areas are a little bit more important for our dining these days. So I sort of feel in the open plan living, it it's, it is going to be more about our kitchen bench and gathering around a kitchen bench and then having the couch. So it could actually come down to separate rooms for our formal dining coming uh-huh. back because I think people are realising the in- intimacy of, of a dining table 
that you can put a jigsaw on. You can do some homework and you don't all have to be together. So Yeah, listening to the same TV show that's blaring out of it. Exactly. Yeah. So I just find the everyday of the kitchen bench eating and your couch all come together. But I, I do feel that dining experience of a communication rather than just saying, well, it's only for formal meals. It's more about how we connect together. And you might actually have the dining table outside the space just so you can chat again. You know, that's one thing we don't want to lose out of this COVID is that we want to keep communicating. Mm, We want to be able to sit around a beautifully set table with beautiful friends and family and actually just enjoy their presence instead of rushing from one thing to the other. Look, it sounds like you've uh, had a very interesting couple of months, Shana, but it's great to hear that perhaps the forced slowdown has uh, given you a little bit of a time to reset, relax. (laughs) I hope everyone has actually. And I hope, you know, everyone's been able to sort of just be able to breathe again. And, you know, I know environment's been breathing and hope you've been breathing in your home. Mm. And I feel, you know, with so much that's been going on in the world, you just see all these horrific, you know, numbers, but they're actually people and everything that's going on. But there's got to be something good that comes out of it. And, you know, our homes are really what feeds our soul and I hope people have connected with their home and how they live. Thank you so much, Shana. Thank you. You've been listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Send her a question on Instagram at Shana Blaze. It is all thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. And we'll see you again next week for Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian-owned and local. Phone 131 806. If you love an insightful podcast, Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series is for you. Real estate, cooking, parenting, home design, plus the sport of gardening with Dale Vine. I never thought I'd say it, Jane, but compost is on trend at the moment. It is uh, <laughs> it is as cool as a hairstyle by Dustin Martin, I can tell you. Powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, switch to Aussie-owned Red Energy today. Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series, available wherever you get your podcasts and the SEN app.